October 3rd, 1963. A violent coup in Honduras begins two decades of military rule. Enjoy that W for the next 50 days, JFK. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. <laughs> and hitting the vape and joining us <laughs> is as, as, Zach's co-host on the movie trap, <laughs> Russell Carlson. Hello, hello. Thank you. I'm Russell Carlson. Thank you for having me. It's a it's a true honor. Thank you very much. Now, Brian, you've, you've mistaken Russell's intention here. That mm-hmm. was not a vape for the sake of vaping. He was trying to create creepy Halloween fog for mm-hmm. this... <laughs> The first in our three spooktacular entries. This year is a three threefer spooktacular. Yeah. Nice. Nice. They call um, him the human fog machine. Because <laughs> he just rips that cotton. That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no. So I, I even brought my Halloween cookies, you know, that my parents got me in the best bakery in Colorado for sure. Um, they're little pumpkins. Nice. They're, mm-hmm. they're awesome. Very happy. So I'm feeling very festive. Very convenient. Uh, yeah. We cannot have any of those because obviously we're not in the same places because of the disease. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> speaking of speaking of spooky. Yeah. yeah if, the, if the world there's a difference between spooky and terrifying. I'd sure. Say. Sure. Like it's October 2020, and we have an extra spooky entry because maybe the world's not scary enough for you. <laughs> and this may be the most scary month of my entire life so far. Ah! Yep. <laughs> it's they, they've only gotten better yeah. every year. Um, Look, I know this is coming out October third, ladies and gentlemen, but we're recording this September twenty seventh, and <laughs> oh boy. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, fall. We're just now getting into fall. Hopefully, by now, fall has come and the fires might have stopped. Um, but you know, who knows? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, the second wave of COVID is in the air. Yeah, that's right. Because mm-hmm. colleges, because college football had to happen, and everybody's going to be sent home with COVID. The leaves are dying, and so is everybody else. <laughs> that's right. It's a beautiful sight. <laughs> yeah, but no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, listeners, if you're wondering what we actually do on this show, uh, <laughs> other than. <laughs> Bring us on to talk about what's going outside in our window. <laughs> uh, and just watch the world become the happening. Yeah. The, the purpose uh, of this podcast is technically for you to close your eyes and pretend the world around you doesn't exist. Be transported <laughs> back to, to the times in history that were in some ways worse than now, honestly. Uh, there, Especially this one. Yeah, I mean, this is... This is I one think... of the rare ones where no one dies. So I'd actually say this is a this is a light... A light Yeah, bump. that's, that, I mean, like, yeah, no one dies. There's no slavery <laughs> in the story. That's true. Verified no slavery, no sexual yeah. assault. Hey, we're, yep. this is, this is a TVG yep. for our podcast. <laughs> sure. But, but. Yeah, put this one on for the family. Sure, sure. When you're in the mood for mass hysteria. Yeah. <laughs> um. What we what we typically do, and what we're going to do also tonight, is we uh, we take a topic from history, either a person, place, or thing, and one person presents the official, man-sanctioned, you know, trick or treat, street safe, uh, Halloween version of that story, and another person uh, comes up with a creepy crawly, uh, <laughs> devil's night 
take uh, alternate take on that history. And the winner becomes the truth, and I'm normally not straining this much to try to inject some fucking Halloween into it. <laughs> uh, but it's the, it's our it's our spooktacular, so mm-hmm. that's just what we do. Yes, chains, it chains, is. chains, rattling bones, mm. bat noises, Whoa. spiders, spiders. I'll put in spiders yeah. later. Mm-hmm. Sure, and this one definitely creaking doors and coffins. You know, cat scare. <laughs> yeah, Elvira saying something. <laughs> it doesn't matter what just sure uh the, uh, the other one joe bob briggs mm-hmm. being actually sure. himself it turns out sure yep um yeah. but anyway um on our last episode uh which was on the topic of medical history which we're going to take a brief diversion from we discussed national hotel disease um as of this recording the final listener vote results are not in, um, but uh, the initial vote is for the alternate history, uh, but we'll break that down later. Uh, so that's just a little tease. Um, <laughs> right now, listeners, uh, we're going to talk about the Highgate Vampire. Hmm. Uh, and Russell, you're presenting the actual history? Indeed, I am. And Zach's taking the alternate yeah, I'm taking the alternate. All right. Well, uh, Russell, whenever you're ready, take it away. Okay. So the Highgate Vampire, as we call it, um, was it's took place around the 70s. Um, Highgate is a neighborhood slash village in London, um, and it took place around the Highgate Cemetery. Uh, Highgate is kind of known for these kind of spooky kind of things dating all the way back to the 17th century, apparently, uh, where this uh, apparently Sir which in which Sir Francis Bacon attempting to prove freezing meat could preserve it in a very <laughs> heated argument with his buggy ride compatriot. I mean, to uh, be fair, he was right on that. Sure, he was. But he uh, so they I mean, found a chicken. His last name they, was Bacon. Indeed. If anybody knows about preserving meat, you know, God it would be Bacon. Damn it. Um, so he takes a, him and his buddies, and his his, uh, buggy driver was named Ralph E. Coli, I think. (laughs) (laughs) He was from out of, his name is Sir Salmonella. Um, he, uh, so they, they get a chicken and they pluck the chicken and kill the chicken half plucked and then buried it in the snow. Apparently it took a long time for them to do this. Well, it was apparently a very heated argument between him and his um, his friend, um, but not heated enough to keep Sir Francis Bacon warm because he ended up getting a frozen chill and died very soon after this experiment. Um, after his death, however, again, dating all the way back to the 17th century, there was reports of a spectral half-plucked chicken could be seen running around Pond Square in Highgate. Um <laughs> Now, so, listeners, yeah. when I suggested this topic, I did not even realize this part of the story, which is fucking great. <laughs> I mean, I, I stumbled upon that in, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, but our story starts around 1967. Uh, the first account really takes place in the London Evening News in November 2nd, 1968, and I'll quote the 
article directly. On the night of Halloween, 1968, a graveyard desecration by persons unknown occurred at the Tottingham Park Cemetery in London. These persons arranged flowers to be taken from graves in circular patterns with arrows of blooms pointing to a new grave, which was uncovered. A coffin was opened and the body inside, quote unquote, disturbed. But most of their macabre act was driving an iron stake in the form of a cross through the lid of the breast of the corpse. This was largely the beginning of this theory that there was a vampire haunting this cemetery. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I can see it. Sure. I, see I mean, you know, I, I it, it can't can't imagine, you know, and, and apparently the the cemetery at the time was very in disrepair. It was pretty much neglected. Pretty much just a place to hang out and do a bunch of pagan weird sex shit. Um, <laughs> so but, uh, apparently, I mean, whoever did this obviously was. They got the material of the stake wrong, which is interesting. <laughs> Seems yeah. like a rookie vampire hunter mistake. <laughs> oh, well, I wait till you meet the heroes of our story. <laughs> um, the... So in 1967, two teenagers were walking near the cemetery and saw claimed to see the dead rising from the graves. Um, there, in 1968, a man named McLean, girlfriend, <laughs> no was, one was like, eh, it's a couple right. of teens. Yeah, a couple of teenagers said they saw this, and there was a bunch of you know, letters in there. But in 1968, a a man named McLean, his girlfriend, Elizabeth, was bitten. Um, Enter Sean Manchester. Sean Manchester is a quote-unquote bishop uh, from the quote-unquote old Catholic church. He's a self-proclaimed vampire hunter, self-proclaimed exorcist expert. Uh, I Um, believe he is still alive to this very day. He very much is and very much recluse. Yeah. Um, Also, I like how you said self-proclaimed vampire hunter as if if, the board wouldn't have certified him. Yeah. I'll get to the board Into every generation, (laughs) there is born one slayer, and it was not Sean Manchester. (laughs) It was not. Um, But to Sean Master, this is a quote from Manchester. If I believe in Christianity and in the supernatural, it doesn't seem that much of a leap for me to believe in vampirism. And you know what? I got to give it to him. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. I if mean, you're going to believe in the devil and shit, yeah, go I mean, for it. I think that's fair. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, What's I, the I, point I, in I, believing in magic if you're just going to be like halfway there and stop? Go, right. Go the Precisely. full way. Honestly, Precisely. like this year has been almost enough for me to be like, I kind of almost wish I did believe in just like, yeah, the <laughs> devils and vampires. Why not? Let's spice it up a little bit. Well, and, and at the time, this story was starting to catch on that there was a vampire, just not even just beyond the, the local newspaper, which was the Hampstead and Highgate, nicknamed the Ham and High. <laughs> uh, and, and there was a lot of reported in there uh, about Manchester because he claimed he tried to do an exorcism on McLean's girlfriend, Elizabeth, and it didn't work. So he said it must have been a vampire. Um, now, when you say vampirism, they claimed she was bitten. Did they, like, expand on that at all? Or were they just like, yeah, I got bit? There were weird marks on her hand, so they said. And they said that, according to McLean, she he had like a, she had, like, an exorcist moment where, like, she just shot up in bed and started speaking in a man's voice, saying that, like, I'm going to take you both down. That's according to McLean. Of course, he believed the whole vampirism thing. He's, right. quote, I knew it was a vampire at that point. Anyway, <laughs> um... So in have been watching a lot of Batman the animated series. <laughs> he didn't um, he didn't mention that the uh, the quote ended with Joker. <laughs> um Harvey Dent, yeah. can we trust him? 
<laughs> Riddle me this, <laughs> vampire. Um, okay, so in 1969, uh, David Ferrant, mm-hmm. uh, local magician, and again, self-proclaimed <laughs> expert on the occult Sorry, and I just supernatural. That. Local yeah. magician. Yes. If you were I, on a local I, news story, the little scrawl at the bottom would say, <laughs> local magician. Local magician. Right. And it means you should definitely listen to this guy because he's definitely <laughs> serious about what he's saying. Uh, in, in 1969, on, sept- on Christmas Eve, he had claimed by walking in the cemetery, he glimpsed a, quote, gray figure, which he considered to be supernatural, and asked in the newspaper if anything, if anyone had seen anybody, anything similar. This was around February 6, 1970. By February 13th, everybody had replied. Several people said, oh, I saw goats. There was a Guy in a tall hat. There's a bicyclists, uh, <laughs> women in white. A lot of shaking bars and 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 you know wading through ponds and all that stuff. So it kind of took it was on a, a regular life of its Disney's own. The Haunted Mansion over there, right? Yeah. So it kind of took on a life of its own. And David Ferrant sort of become became like this yeah. unofficial correspondent for the Ham and High. Yeah. Um, there was one so guy who drove past in his car, and then there was a mirror at the end of the cemetery, and there was a ghost in his car with him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He gets into the. Cab and the cabbie's a zombie. I like um, how I also just like how one of them is just like guy in a tall hat, which is one yeah. of them is a bice and a bicyclist, like yeah, he's a guy on a bike. Also true. <laughs> right? Yeah, they they claim to see people walk from the graves in Highgate Cemetery and into the walls of the mausoleum and apparently disappear. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, that anyway, so yeah, that that sort of ramped up around 1970, and it sort of hit like a fever pitch, because at the same time, Sean Manchester claimed that it was vampirism and knew it was vampire, a king of vampires, if you will. Um, this is like the mega I vampire. He said it was somebody who uh, practiced black magic in uh, what's it called, uh, Wachalia, the place where um, Wallachia. the actual. Wallachia, yes, where Vlad the Impaler was from and died there and became a vampire king. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. Um, so this actually started growing into a war of words in print between Manchester and Ferrant. Um, so much so that each claiming that they were the ones who could expel the vampire because they were experts and they knew what they were doing. Um, it got so much that even ITV, the national... You know, the, even national media started to take notice and interviewed both of them. Um, and both of them, knowing that they were going to be on TV, claimed that they are going to be the ones to slay the vampire. We're going to do it on Friday the 13th. <laughs> so it aired on Friday the 13th. And within two hours, there was a mob of people getting into that cemetery armed with stakes. The police tried to stop them. They literally rush over and destroy like a lot of that cemetery. Like they start hacking. It's, it's bad. Um, <laughs> And it, it didn't really stop from there, but that was like the fever pitch. And everybody thought that there was vampires and they, they were turning these corpses into vampires and it just turned into an absolute shit show. Um, so basically, um, some months later, you know, it, 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 there's a bunch of uh, grave desecr- desecration in, the, in that summer. So much so that even Ferent got caught and was arrested because they thought he did it. He claimed that it was Satanists who did it. Uh, but he was seen around the cemetery with a stake and a crucifix. Um, so yeah, 
it, it, it kind of, and then, but Manchester was sort of doing the same thing, claiming that he had actually already killed the vampire by going into this farmhouse and, <laughs> and driving a stake. He was, he was too scared to, to go in there and open it. So he just left a clove of garlic and walked away. <laughs> um, I, also, I also just, I really like the idea of a self-appointed vampire hunter being like, no, no, I didn't desecrate these graves. It was Satanist. Yeah. And it's such a weird distinction for me to, to draw yes. because you're both LARPers. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> It, it, it is, and it, keep, it kept going because they even got to the point, the rivalry around August of that year, they were even going to have a magical duel. Um, apparently, it never took place, but they they couldn't agree on the terms, I guess. Yeah. Um, which magic was allowed, which magic right, was barred. Right, obviously. Right, you know, obviously. Conjuration? Abjuration? Yeah. Necromancy? Right. Chronomancy? It's, these things right. have to be worked out. <laughs> Fairy dust? You know, anyway. Um, Oh, no, don't even bring the fae in here. Right. Yeah. Um, So David Ferrant eventually sued the News of the World because they kind of made a report that David Ferrant was actually going at all these graves and digging these things up and stabbing these corpses. Um, (laughs) That's one of the most reasonable British tabloid stories I think I've ever heard. Yeah, and then they, yeah, and then they sued, and what, his his contention was that they called him a cat killer because... There- around the time, to- around the time, around the one cemetery, there was a bunch of dead animals that had apparently had their throats slashed Fo- and all the blood foxes drained. Mostly, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. It was mm-hmm. they did I, the research. I couldn't find it was very a lot of this because the problem with all of this stuff is it's largely told between from the perspectives of either David Ferrant and Sean Manchester, yeah. and both of them. All they do is just try to exclude the other one. That it they seems seem to be, to be prolific whole. liars, even later parts right. of their lives. Yeah, and um, and they seem to be bitter that there's somebody who's doing the same thing. <laughs> um, truly, yeah, but yeah, go ahead. There was a cat that mm. went missing, right? Yeah, a cat went missing, and they thought that David Ferrant did it, and blah blah blah. Um, I think he was he, released on that charge because the, no yeah. the charges were dismissed. The charges were dismissed, but didn't stop Sean Manchester from touting out in the Hollis building, saying that he's an ex-con and you can't really believe anything David Ferrant says um so yeah, the vampire hunter thing we're cool with right exactly. the fact that he got arrested right well and uh, a lot of these are questioning each other's bona fides no, totally in, in vampire hunting it's, it's actually i really my favorite thing about the story is how much of these two are like in very slightly different circumstances they're they would be such great partners like they're a match made in heaven <laughs> they're the totally. same dude like they're the yeah. same guy it is totally the star trek quote in another universe, we would have called each other friends. Yeah, it's like you know. st- this is stepbrothers, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, yeah. Right. So the entire story kind of gets claimed by Manchester that it ended in 1973, where he claims to have driven the stake through the vampire's heart at the nearby House of Dracula in Crouch End, later to be adapted by a Stephen King book called Crouch End. Um, Anyway. Wait, uh, is House of Dracula, was that like an exist, was that like a breakfast place? or what? Those are his words. Was it just like a place he called the House of Dracula? That's true. It's it's the International House of Dracula. I would eat at a restaurant. A restaurant called House of Dracula, it's basically like a rainforest cafe or medieval times, but it's... Yes. Dude, right. But actually, there is one on Times Square. There's that monster-themed restaurant. What? Yeah, there's a monster-themed restaurant on Times Square. 
where like everybody dresses as monsters or some shit. I forget what it's called, but it's very oh real. Oh my god. <laughs> it's it's I, just I, red I lobster. Just... <laughs> I would just think that uh, you know the International House of Dracula would just be a blood bank. Yeah, <laughs> where they just take in donations or whatever. Um, so anyway, sorry, the I story... just pictured like it's a regular IHOP, but the syrup jugs are all just labeled <laughs> A positive, B positive, O negative. Mm, lovely. <laughs> um, so uh, the Highgate in the whole thing kind of the the, the, the uh, dealing with the vampire dies down just to get it out of there it's called the jekyll and hyde club yeah. i don't think it's in times square i think it's, okay. it's it's in new york I'm okay making reservations it's on man <laughs> it's in it's on manhattan island okay that uh, uh right i'll be damned i've never been there um but so 1973 rolls around and manchester claims to have killed the vampire and then that's where the real fun begins between these two, because that's where on that 1973, it got so bad that Ferret was jailed in 1974 for interfering with the dead remains of Highgate Cemetery again. Uh, they kept writing about the Highgate vampire. Manchester wrote a book called The Vampire, The the Highgate Vampire. David Ferrant wrote a book saying Beyond the Highgate Vampire. Each one <laughs> kind of trashing the other. Um, such a fuck you to the right. other book. Right, yes. So it, it got so bad that they started forming boards, basically. So David Ferrant had founded and presided over the British Psychic and Occult Society, while Sean Manchester founded the British Occult Society. Uh, these books... They, they kept going for almost 50 years uh, because the book wasn't published until 1985 and Ferrant's book wasn't published until 1991. Um, so the whole time they're trading insults. And then even in 2013, Manchester has retired from public life and, and won't be talked to by journalists. And I think, yeah, um, both of them, even while they're trading insults with each other, they're constantly going after anybody else who says anything about either of them. That's they're right. Like it's it, very aggressive with Anybody who says anything to besmirch their reputation. Indeed. That's why I, a lot of this a lot of this is kind of just you have to take them from their word and kind of suss out the bullshit did, a little bit. Did you um, read the thing about Manchester's reviews of his book? No, I did not. Apparently there uh, were I, a ton of five-star reviews of Manchester's book, and uh, they were all by the same user named Veritas, who also uh, left a one-star review of Ferenc's book. <laughs> How can we get to the bottom of this? Uh, it's a mystery, total mystery. Um, so it, it it seemed to me that David Ferrant, they were all trying to kind of claim this. David Ferrant even ran in a general election in 1978 as the sole candidate for his own Wicca Workers Party. Uh, <laughs> it is a platform of free sex and nudity uh, and restoring the Wiccan creed outlawing communism, establishing state brothels, restoring true power of the monarchy to the to the royal family, and leaving the EU common market. You know what? It started <laughs> strong. It started strong. <laughs> and then it went off a cliff at a certain point. <laughs> sort of, yeah. That's, um... um also, I, I like that they differentiated between free sex and nudity, because, <laughs> I mean, one begets the other. Um, yeah. And, uh, needless to say, he lost... Uh, I know that's uh, shocking to hear, uh, but it, it, well, no, that's why that's, why, that's why that's why Great Britain is it. now called Fuck Island, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, he did get a lot of votes considering that platform, <laughs> a disturbing amount of votes. Uh, but you know, it, so 
Uh, according to Merlin, could Cumberland, he be worse than Boris Johnson? Really? <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> I mean, I'd say it'd probably be about the same, right? Actually, I mean, yeah, no, he still yeah, wanted to leave the EU. About I guess. The same. Yeah, yeah, and you know, ending communism—that totally sounds like Johnson. But he'd have magic, um, so that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but sec- free sex parties—I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet. Um, okay, so. Really, the the whole era of the mid seventies is kind of the beginning of like this folklore horror. Our movie, The Wicker Man, that we did in the movie trap, is sort of featured in this, according to Merlin Coverley, and he sort of blames that movie for sort of enticing the public and people like Ferent and Manchester for kind of hyping up this sort of occult like kind of craze that was going on in the seventies, mm-hmm. um, and it, it kept going apparently. So the feud. Really, the story is just the feud between Manchester and Ferent, really, is that that whole dynamic has just kept the whole myth alive. It's far outlived the interest of even the Highgate Vampire, even though the Highgate Vampire has been featured in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's been featured in video games. Like I said, the the Stephen King short story. Specifically, the Buffy comics, not the main show. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Even though it's called season nine. That's true. Um uh, so anyway, there is little t- David Ferrant died uh, very recently. Actually. Last year in 2019. Yeah, he died in 2019. Um, and it seems like a lot of other people seem like he was a much more enjoyable person to be around, whereas Manchester was a stuffy wannabe. I mean, you should, if you see footage of him in the 70s. Or now. I mean, look up a picture yeah. of this. Oh, dude. my God. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the closest thing I could find was a 1999 Discovery Channel documentary. And he's got these mutton chops that are something to behold. Um, and But even in the 70s, you could tell he just like, I'm a bishop. See? Look, I'm wearing, a, wearing the thing. Bishop, you have to listen and respect me. Whereas David Ferret was very much like, I'm a magician. You have to listen and respect me. Um, so... Yeah, there's even a lot of groups online, this Friends of the Sean Manchester Society. They are very, very active and trying to get in touch with them, apparently, according to a Vice article, is very difficult. And they're love to blame other journalists and still to this day say that David Ferrant was a grumpy fraud. Um, <laughs> Not so, a fraud, a grumpy well, fraud. Yeah. Multiple people can be grumpy frauds. Yeah. Yes. Um, when when David Ferrant died, though, apparently uh, Manchester did certainly kind of release like a self penned eulogy for Ferrant that was mostly magnanimous. Um, but again, that feud is what made the Highgate Vampire legend today. Was to if you read the initial article, you say they say journalists. When you do further yeah. reading, yeah, they were not journalists. No. They wrote in newspapers, but that was not what I would call journalists. <laughs> in um, much the same way that Tucker Carlson is not a journalist. Indeed, indeed. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh, I, that's about all I've got. I hope I didn't brutalize that too much for you guys. I listened to a couple episodes, so I tried to. No, know, that was great. No, good, no, right, good, good. Yay! And like the reason I went with this one, like I wanted this year for since we were able to do three, I was like, oh, I want to do like. Of like a vampire hysteria thing, but the thing is, all the ones from like the seventeen and eighteen hundreds are just people who had tuberculosis, and this one seemed a little more interesting. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and and nothing really bad happened. There were some animals being killed, and again, it's not fun that the yeah. corpses and all it's- the. Gravestones were. I mean, apparently Highgate Cemetery is much improved now. It's very much more like a genteel tourist attraction. Um, but <laughs> yeah. it's 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 now it, in the seventies. It was apparently a shithole. I mean, honestly, by our standards, that's a 
<laughs> still TVG. Fixed. We're still good to go. But Zach, whenever you're ready. Uh, yeah. So also got some things right. Obviously, I agree that uh, Ferent and Manchester's rivalry they overshadow the rest of the story, and they cause us to forget the main character in this little drama, the vampire. <laughs> I really thought you were going to do a full-on Andrew from Buffy pronunciation. <laughs> um, uh, and we have to note that uh, the vampire did know Ferrant and Manchester. Uh, he actually met Ferrant first, uh, as Russell said, on Christmas Eve in 1969. Um, Ferrant was passing by the snow-covered Highgate Cemetery when he was accosted by wolves. And the mysterious vampire intervened and saved his life, mm. taking Ferret back Aww. to his crypt for a strange and romantic winter's night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen romance with vampires, sir. It is not that attractive. Uh, um, well, you know. if you've seen some of the movies from the late 70s, I've seen. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A lot of, lot of trimming. Regardless, uh... If you're a vampire, you can't spend your whole life at the cemetery. Uh, and the vampire may have lived at the cemetery, but he spent his days at Highgate College just trying to fit in. I mean, and that's super hard. That's super hard when, like the Highgate vampire, you're hot as fuck. So, and I, I really would have thought he'd been taking night classes. And you can only take classes. night classes. Yeah. yeah. Well. He's a daywalker in my. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Good to know. Of course, he just sparkles when he goes outside. Manchester was also attending Highgate College at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, one day in the parking lot, the mysterious vampire appeared from nowhere to save Manchester from an out-of-control car. And uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, at first, this weird relationship between the three of them seemed fine. Ferent, uh, in the evenings, uh, cultured the vampire on how to eat and drink more civilly and behave like a human, growing ever mm. closer. And during the day, Manchester and the vampire would go to the woods and do spider monkey runs, and everybody was happy. <laughs> now, each of these sort of couples had their own names for each other, um, mm-hmm. because Ferent was human uh, and a representative of mankind... Uh, the cutesy nickname that he eventually got was Mencken, um, a, a, a strange ch- twist on mankind. And because <laughs> vampires fall to dust when killed. And not the wrestler yeah. mankind also. Right. Yeah. Right. So he Nick was called Mencken. Yeah. And because vampires turned to ash when killed, uh, Ferent beca- began to call the vampire Ashman. So they became Mencken and Ashman. Um <laughs> Is it okay if I hope you don't mind, but I'm just picturing Ferent as Robert Stack from Unsolved Mysteries and Manchester as Bill Shatner from Rescue 911. You could call it, you could hey picture man. them whatever you whatever. want. And the vampire is totally John Carradine. Your mind, your that's, rules. That's, who I'm, that's how I'm casting it yeah. in my head. So yeah, Ferret, uh, who was kept captive in the vampire's house, uh, they they uh, became uh, Mankin and Ashman uh, and had their their whirlwind winter romance. Meanwhile, the vampire called Manchester Bella because he was so beautiful. And Manchester <laughs> called the vampire weird and unhealthy conservative Mormon themes about sex, love, and marriage, which is kind of a <laughs> kind of a mouthful. <laughs> it's a bit unwieldy. Oh bit wow! Unwieldy. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it was, a, but you know, who knows how these nicknames start? 
Um, <laughs> so, but eventually, uh, trouble arose in paradise. Uh, mm. When Ferrant and Manchester found out about each other and their rivalry began in earnest. Uh, at first, Ferret put a rotten fish in the hood of Manchester's car. <laughs> Manchester put saran wrap on Ferret's toilet. Um, oh, no. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> Ferret dug up the corpse of Manchester's mother and desecrated the grave. Manchester sacked... <laughs> that's an escalation. That, oh, that's a, a bit of an escalation. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> and Manchester sacrificed Ferret's pets to pagan gods. So okay. traditional yeah. sort of... Magician, bishop, <laughs> vampire hunter, <laughs> rivalry. <laughs> Slash love triangle. Yeah. Um, so eventually, uh, Manchester got sick of the fact that Ferret was living at the crypt, uh, and he stirred up the easily frightened townspeople to rush to the Highgate Cemetery and kill the beast once and for all. Uh, though his intention uh, was in fact... To go on a night that he knew that his vampire lover would be off playing baseball with his family during a thunderstorm. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. (laughs) (laughs) He knew that the vampire would be off playing baseball during a thunderstorm, as vampires do. And only Ferent would be present, and they could kill Ferent in his stead. Um, But Ferent managed to escape, and instead the graveyard was only ransacked. (laughs) So when, when the vampire came home... And found his home ransacked and Manchester and Ferret locked in combat. Uh, he decided that these losers weren't ready for that poly lifestyle. And they were definitely not ready for immortality. <laughs> and so he left. Uh, he left Highgate and that entire situation, this whole production. He went on to do more serious work. Got a lot of legitimate <laughs> cla- acclaim. He recently recovered from COVID-19. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. I was not expecting that. <laughs> you know what? Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing good. He's doing good. Uh, people, he, you know, a lot of people respect him now. Um, mm. um, meanwhile, Ferret and Manchester ended up living next door to each other and growing old. Uh, only one door apart. Became bitter rival pulling pra- bitter rivals, always pulling pranks on each other. Eventually, Anne Margaret moved to their town, and <laughs> their old rivalries escalated again. Um, they were adapted into a couple movies in the 90s. <laughs> you may have heard about them. Sophia Loren was in the sequel. Yeah. Uh, uh, those films did cut most of the animal sacrifice and necrophilia. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 90%. You gotta get that PG rating. Yeah. You, know, you gotta get that PG rating. I'm really, really trying to picture Jack Lemon on set being like, what do you want me to do the, to the rabbit? <laughs> now, see my best here, Jack you Lemmon. gotta take the bunny upside down and you slit it down its throat. <laughs> I, I can't do Walter Matthau. Well, Mary, I'm gonna lasso the moon for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you're just going all the way to... Yeah. Uh, so Ferret eventually marries Anne Margaret and Manchester uh, decides to marry their newborn child immediately after it's born because Twilight is fucked up. Um, <laughs> Forgot about that part of it. Yeah. Uh, Guy and, worked a lot to forget. That took a lot of work. But there's one lingering question. What about all the desecrated graves? The answer is clear. The Highgate vampire likes to fuck in a coffin. <laughs> and that 
is the true story. <laughs> the true story of the doomed romance of the Highgate vampire, Ferent, and Manchester. That's right. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. That was good. I don't know if my Mencken and Ashwin thing translated, but it was supposed to be a Beauty and the Beast rift on that side of the relationship. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean... That- uh, it hit our niche for sure. <laughs> oh, for me, uh, yeah. Uh, well, and then uh, again, uh, the Twilight got right in there. Um, it, yeah, that was uh, that was certainly more entertaining. Well, yeah, I mean, like uh, that would certainly be. I mean, because if there was evidence of the magical duel actually happening, that mm. would have been awesome. Yeah, you know, like I, that would have been. I wish cool. I, I could have incorporated a magic duel in there, and that would have made it exciting, but. Uh, the fact know. that these fuckers actually I don't got want to support to J.K. Point. Rowling right now. Yeah. There you have it. Nice. There you go. There you go. There you go. And not until George R. R. Martin writes another fucking book. Excuse yeah, my language. Jesus. Um, yeah. But the fact that they publicly got to the point of challenging each other to a magic duel is it's one of truly, my favorite parts of this whole. Truly the Burr and Hamilton of Highgate in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The High and Ham was the, the, the duly grounds of Hamilton and Burr and Jefferson and Hamilton and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, no, and I, I think a lot of it is too is that uh, uh, part of the reason why this newspaper kept publishing is people kept buying it. You know, they yeah, were well, yeah. they were eating it up. You know, they 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 dug it. You know, so that's part of the reason why it just sort of lived on. And then, like all fads, die a whimpering, slow death that two people hold on to for fifty years. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, I've not seen any of the Twilight motion pictures. Um, how like what I know the broad strokes and i know a lot of that was twilight like what percentage of it was twilight uh, uh saving her from a car car the idea of vampires having a baseball game during a thunderstorm very true uh the idea of deciding you're gonna marry a baby the second it's born yeah i i i, I knew that one wasn't coming off your dome uh the part where they <laughs> Thank God. go on spider monkey runs in the forest there is a part where he calls her spider monkey Okay, so that's not an actual thing that people do. No, that's a vampire okay. thing. Okay. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> uh, as it's been established by that. Oh no, it, it's uh, if you really want to watch some bad CGI talking wolves, get on Twilight. <laughs> Call of the Wild, starring Harrison yeah, there Ford. Go right. <laughs> <laughs> that CGI talking wolves could be a movie trap theme. Oh, oh, oh my. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And also, but um, to be clear, none of it was Twilight because it's the real story. Oh no, totally, absolutely. Totally. absolutely. I, I meant to say how much of it Twilight, Twilight, Twilight was Twilight adapted took from this story. Right, 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 yeah, right, right. That makes sense. I mean, uh, great art imitates life. Um, so, uh, listeners, before we move on, uh, actually, before we get into like the real meat of the plug section, don't hit that fifteen second skip button uh, because. <laughs> I uh, want to let you know there is a uh, listener survey on the website. Uh, just put it together. It's four questions, totally anonymous, uh, just designed to just help figure us figure out how you feel about Trump's performance as president. Mm-hmm. Mostly <laughs> good, great, <laughs> awesome, or other best of all time. <laughs> it it just it reminds me of the old Colbert joke about uh, George W. Bush, great president or greatest president. Yeah, but this totally. one is much more painful. Begged um, Bush to come on his show so he could ask them that. <laughs> um, but also uh, review the show on your podcast app of choice. Um, written reviews, especially, are super helpful. 
Uh, they put more butts in the seats. And follow us on social media, Twitter or Instagram. I just deleted my personal Twitter and Instagram, so you're about to get a lot more bullshit on the revisionist Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> you can also write us a letter, ask us a question, leave us a comment at revisionistpodcast.com. And if you are so inclined and are able to do so right now, um, support the show by pledging on Patreon. Even a dollar a month buys you an extra right to vote. Uh, so there's that. Um, you two, Russell and Zach, you uh, co-host with friend of the show, Chris Bohr of The Movie Trap. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Sure. Yeah, we uh, had more of fun yeah. recently. Or real long, if you want, also. Yeah, I, we I, had I more of fun recently, the by the way, episode. for the Frankenstein-adjacent episode. Indeed. So mm-hmm. we are covering... Uh, Covering all the ghouls, we really ch- jumped the gun on that one. We should have saved it for Halloween <laughs> a little bit. Uh, at least that he, uh, and, and he, since he did the alt, the the alternate history, I thought it was only fair that I take the the actual yeah. what actually happened. So I thought that was fair. And just to put one over on Boraf, if you're listening, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, three movies in a row, Boraf. Um, so yeah, we host a, a podcast called The Movie Trap. Uh, you could find it anywhere where you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Um, it's basically a competitive book club. Uh, the idea is that there is a theme that we choose, uh, that one host chooses, and then each host picks a movie in a round of three. At the end of each, at the end of the theme, we vote on which one is the best movie. Whoever wins picks the next theme. Uh, uh, at the time I, of this, this be- release, we'll be in the middle of our Halloween mini yeah, streak. Uh, sure, where and the I bonus think we would is- be at. The bonus for this one is not going to be picking the next theme, which we already have picked. It's going to be political thrillers starting uh, after Halloween. Um, but instead, the 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 winner gets a bonus movie that they could force the other people to watch. Uh, we already know who won, but we won't yep. tell you here. Exactly. Um, and yes, so I think by the time this episode comes out, you'll probably have Don't Look Now would be the most recent episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check us out. We have fun doing it. Zach's hilarious. We love having him. Uh, this is a podcast. Borf and I have known each other for years. I've known Zach for years, and it's been uh, it's been great. Like I said, competitive book club. Brian's been on before, and will likely be on again. Uh, we Indeed, might, we might even have him on for a full round someday. Indeed, he I, I he oh, I owe it to him for making him watch Police Academy. <laughs> yeah, I Jesus. figured I kind of owe it to him. <laughs> been holding on to that one holding on to that grudge for months that, that, that's a movie that sticks with you yeah <laughs> oh yeah it, it, it sticks it's, with a re- you. it's a real way homer you know uh, <laughs> it's a real can't see anything else when I close my eyes um, re- it's a real ringu actually now that it, <laughs> now that I think of it back to the horror movies nice in our spooky theme good job <laughs> Listeners, as for me, I'm going to plug the thing we've been mentioning and sort of <laughs> bringing up in passing this episode. Uh, hey, vote uh, this year, please. Please, um, please. It's it's not the end of change by any means, but it's also a necessary beginning yeah. to it. So please. That requires very little effort on your part. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a lot of like other stuff you got to do after the fact. You still got to hold people's feet to the fire on certain issues afterwards and go to protests and rallies. And I understand there's also some sentiment that voting is completely ineffective. It won't change anything, but we should try our hardest to make it work. And then if it doesn't work, we can do the other shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's Indeed. The, that's Indeed. The, that's the sort of thing. <laughs> 
that's what we need out there. Oh, Jesus. Um, also, hey, uh, because I got a call from the blood bank right before recording, give blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they'll stop That was a high-gate vampire. Me. He called. He wanted aid. <laughs> please, Blah. please donate some blood. Blah. Blah. I'm on community service. <laughs> I crashed into a playground at night. Don't worry, at night. The doctor says I need the glasses. Uh, uh, my kids took my keys. <laughs> bat, 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 bat. <laughs> that was the sound of him turning into a bat. Um, which I guess is just the joke from what we do in the shadows, basically. Um, <laughs> or if you will, Bugs Bunny. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I will. Um <laughs> Listeners, the uh, the first uh, the first vote for the outcome of this episode falls to me, and you know, well, uh, I do appreciate the uh, the extra depth and a uh, little bit of spice that Russell brought to the story. I'm gonna cast my vote for Zach's alternate um, for because now I don't feel the need to ever see Twilight. Not that I did before. Uh, but now I feel like I can discuss it in mixed company uh, <laughs> with a little bit more confidence that I didn't have. Mission accomplished. <laughs> but voting is now open on Patreon if you're one of our donors. And be sure to check out our Instagram at uh, Revisionist Podcast uh, next Wednesday, whatever day that is, the um, 7th. Let's yeah, say. that sounds right. It's the third on a Saturday, the fourth on a Sunday, the fifth, the Monday, the seventh is correct. Yep. Um, I'm having my wisdom teeth out October second, so that was my that was my little way into that um, because I'm a 32 year old adult. Yeah, cal- calendar compass. Yep. <laughs> um, but Russell, thank you so much for joining us. Truly an honor. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. This was this was fun. Yeah, thank you for doing it. Zach, thank you as always. Uh, of course. Uh, for everyone here at The Revisionists, uh, that'll do it for this Halloween episode. So listeners, you can now unwrap and eat uh, your Twix for this episode. Uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But make sure to give all the candy to your parents who inspect for poison or edible marijuana. (laughs) Which is just marijuana. And then when your parents are checking your candy, eat your marijuana edible. That's that's the secret. Indeed. And then just get real high at home with your parents. Yeah. (laughs) The most scariest part of the season. Uh, and then fucking play Goldeneye. I don't know. Ah! What the fuck? Do you know what year it is, Brian? Do you actually know? We we children can, we don't even know about the movie Goldeneye. <laughs> they released this Mario. The they released this Mario collection of like all the yes. 3D Mario's. They had it. They have Mario 64, and all the reviews are of younger kids going like, "I don't get this game. It's hard. It's weird. I don't understand it." And I'm like, "Oh man, I I'm old." 
I'm I'm playing through Galaxy, and Jen is playing through 64 right now. We haven't touched Sunshine yet. I, I love Sunshine. It's I've not played it. I'm looking forward I to it. I love it. It's great. I, I cannot recommend it enough. Great, great Mario game. But it is also like, oh, 64 is much harder than... Oh my God, yeah. And I, I spent hours when that game came out. I mean, I remember when that came out. I mean, I spent hours and hours on that game. We're still in the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. That's true, that's true. <laughs> we have it. Have a good time, everyone. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Thanks for having me. October 3rd, 1863. Abraham Lincoln declares the last Thursday in November to be Thanksgiving, or, as he called it at the time, Savory Halloween. October 3rd, 1957. The California Superior Court rules that Allen Ginsberg's Howl and Other Poems is not obscene, it just sucks. October 3rd, 1929. The Kingdom of Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes is renamed Yugoslavia, and bad news for anyone who was attached to that name. Uh... October 3rd, 42 BC. Mark Antony and Octavian, later Augustus, win a decisive defeat against Caesar's assassins Brutus and Cassius. After the battle, Augustus Octavian felt so good that, despite already having August, he thinks he's going to take this one too. (laughs) October 3rd, 1789. George Washington proclaims a Thanksgiving Day for that year, which is some Halloween erasure Christmas creep bullshit. Wait a minute, what's this? October 3rd, 1863, the last Thursday in November is declared Thanksgiving Day by Abraham Lincoln, inexorably connecting the war against slavery and the war against Christmas. (laughs) And finally, October 3rd, 1963. A violent coup in Honduras begins two decades of military rule. Enjoy that W for the next 50 days, JFK. (laughs) Perfect. Oh, man. Technically, Um, JFK said he was against the coup and wanted to, like, pull out of relations with Honduras, but whatever. But, I mean, 